Anyone's Game podcast. Following women's football. Hello, my name is Kenny Bogue and welcome to the latest edition of the Anyone's Game podcast where we look back at yet another fantastic Sunday of action in the SWPL. Glasgow City are our new league leaders as both them and Rangers picked up three points with Glasgow City now topping the league on goals scored. Celtic showed that they are not out as it yet as they recorded an impressive win against Spartans who remain fifth. Hibs remain fourth after defeat to Rangers. Hearts moved off bottom spot as they recorded their first point since the season restarted after 4 for Farmington nicked a draw to remain sixth. Motherwell are now rock bottom of the table after they faced a rampant Glasgow City at Broadwood. And joining me on tonight's show to look back at Sunday's action, we have Hamilton assistant manager Bobby Watson and of course our Anyone Games pundits Robbie Hanratty and Peter Quinn. Welcome to the show everyone. Thanks Kenny. Cheers, thanks for having me on guys. On the show, guys, we obviously don't want to forget about SWPL2, like a lot of people have, so we have invited our Bobby. Bobby, first of all, we will do the getting to know you questions, uh, and then you can tell us a little bit more about life for SWPL2 clubs at the moment. So, Bobby, where are you from originally? Uh, so, uh, I live in a little place called Les Mahago in uh, South Lanarkshire, originally from an even smaller village about four miles up the road called uh, Blackwood, Curtin Hill. So probably the, the closest place I'm to that maybe people will have heard of is like I'm about six miles from Latcall, six miles from Lanark and for our games I'm about 13 miles from Hamilton. So just kind of right on the M74, you probably pass right past me when you're travelling south. Don't even recognise where they are. Or it's that place, Las Mahago. What's that funny place in the, the road sign? Just like me, Robbie, I'm a, I'm a country boy as well. Grew up in the middle of nowhere. Um, so Bobby, how did you get into football? Uh, mainly through through my dad. Uh, my dad grew up in the, the kind of fifties, and his uncles are refereeing Scottish Scottish leagues, so he get taken to games all the time. His dad wasn't really a big football fan, but his, his uncle was. Uh, his uncle went to the fifty eight World Cup as one of the referee liaisons. So yeah, just my my passion from there, and my dad's kind of my big one. They always used to pull out would be he was at the Real Madrid Eintracht Frankfurt Cup final in nineteen sixty. Yeah. So you know. You know, ask, you know, he's like, yeah, but did you see Ferenc Puskas? And I'm like, okay, you need to stop feeling that one. You can't do that anymore. So, yeah, I just, that, and my mum enjoys it. And, you know, fairly sport-orientated family. Uh, mum was a big rugby fan as well. So, yeah, just my, my parents, really. And, you know, I think literally every, every young boy just, once I started kicking a ball about it, it just really took off. And I, I never really ever stopped. Definitely. So what would you say your biggest achievement is in football? It's hard. I think that's hard. Like, I didn't play to a great level. I was I wasn't good enough to play to a great level. I, I you know played the old pro youth system for about a year, but I was I was never good enough. So kind of all my biggest successes have been within coaching and winning the the very first SWPL two with Aki's in, in twenty sixteen. When you take everything into account that we went through that season and how close it was, and Hearts and Glasgow Women had really good sides that year, and we just picked them on the last day, and it was it was a pretty special day. And I've just got yeah memories of parading the, the trophy around about various pubs in Glasgow changing the stadium jumping on the train going in meeting the players because the players of course had to go get ready we just went you know got a shower at the stadium we went for it uh, yeah just brilliant memories and uh, yeah it was, a, it was a really good team and still speak to a lot of them and yeah great yeah, great time well that's not a bad achievement winning the league I have to say I'd be quite happy with that yeah I mean it was it was really like we were third the, that's when we still, you know, it was the the winter season, the summer season, sorry, and we were third 
kind of after maybe lost Hearts away, so we ended up having to win nine games on the we won nine games on the bounce to win it. But uh, there were some there were some really good teams, and uh, it was a really really hard season. But we just uh, we just got momentum and. You know, once we got going, we, you know, took care of everything. And, yeah, just great, great times. And a couple of the players that were in that team are still with us at the moment. So, yeah, it's good to still have them around. They know what it means. And, and hopefully that experience can help us when we when we get started back. And lastly, Bobby, tell us your all-time five-a-side team. So, really hard. So, I kind of picked players players that we've I've been you know played with. I didn't put myself in the team because well we, we we had Lindsay Hamilton, next kind of Rangers St. Johnson goalkeeper. He was our goalkeeping coach when I first got to Aki's so he's got about six hundred professional appearances. So I couldn't I couldn't put myself ahead of the big man. Uh, so there uh, Lindsay in goals. Uh, then in defence Jill Jill Angles was uh, captain of Aki's when I got there. Just fiercely competitive and good, really, really good fullback. Scored plenty of goals for us. Uh, great leader as well. Uh, then in midfield, uh, Amy Anderson, our captain at the moment. Uh, probably the best player, I think, technically I've ever worked with. Just just frightening. Just She's won everything, uh, every kind of award at Aki's you can think of. She's Premier League 2 Player of the Year. Been really, really loyal to the club. She's had the opportunity to go elsewhere, but felt her you know our football was she wanted to stay at Aki's and she's just you know, a great person as well and then next to her in midfield I've got Heather Richards ex-Celtic uh, Scotland international Hibs probably most you might remember the goal she scored for the halfway line in the cup final for Hibs coached with Heather for about a year and uh, she was in at Aki's for a little bit but she's she's decided actually to coach teams more on her spare time now rather than play she's kind of moved away from playing which is a shame because she's still a cracking player but uh, Heather's a baller so got her in there and then uh, up front we've got MT Gardner who is somehow MT's a year younger than me has she's got three kids and is still performing at a ridiculous level like we take the GPS of the players and she's still covering like 20 miles an hour in sprints and things like that. It, you know, at her age, she's just the most competitive person I've ever met in my life. Like, it could be anything. It could be she's screaming at players when it's like we're doing daft warm-up races. If, if she doesn't win, she's gone daft because she's no winning. Uh, just a great person and an absolutely amazing role model. Uh, just th- those are the kind of players I think in the game we don't speak enough about. MTs uh, and there's, you know, there's loads of others. That sort of players really dedicated 10, 15 years of their life to playing football. And, you know, the, the women's game in Scotland owes a lot to people like that. So, yeah, I think I've got a fairly good five there. Oh, brilliant. Well, you, you can coach the side as well, right? If you're not in it, you can be the coach. <laughs> you're the gaffer. So, Bobby, you might mention players there. Last week we had Lisa Swanson on the show, and it's fair to say that Lisa feels a little bit down at the way SWPL2 clubs are being treated, the fact that the season's not restarted. You, of course, are an SWPL club rep. Can you tell the listeners what, what's actually happening with SWPL2? Do we know? So, I mean, first of all, I've got to say, it is a really difficult situation for the SWF and I understand frustration towards SWF and I understand frustration towards the SFA, but ultimately, as the kind of, the national associations, it's their business to get football playing. It just, I see people argue, oh, SFA are stopping grassroots games. Like, well, no, the SFA don't want to stop grassroots games. They want to get people playing. But they're in a bit of a rock and a hard place with, obviously, the the guidance that's coming out from the government and having to negotiate with Sports Scotland. So at the moment, obviously, it's really, really frustrating. A couple of clubs have kind of mentioned on the call we had the other week. They kind of feel that SWF has maybe glossed over, SWPL has glossed over the fact that we're not playing. But to be fair, on the call, 
the SWS say that's something that they're looking to, to rectify and try and make it more known that you know we're not playing and we're still here. The good news is that the Premier League two clubs have agreed to effectively curtail the season to play one more round of fixtures. So instead of playing home away home or, or however you're in 27 games, we've agreed to get to the 18 games to allow us to sort out promotion. So that means there's eight more games left. So if you play the team away, you'll play them at home and, and vice versa. So that's really, really positive. Clubs got together as a working group. They met tonight. Gary Doctor, our manager, he's one of the, the the people on the actual working group. So the kind of news coming out of that is there's a sort of loose agreement that will will get playing to effectively elongate the season into July to make sure we can get going. We are in line with the government guidelines, so we can't contact train until the 17th of May. So likely we would need, say, two weeks of contact. So that gives us the start of June. So clubs have kind of loosely agreed to play into the kind of first weekend of July to try and give us as much time. That gives us about five Sundays and three midweeks. I think there is a bit of positive news that the SWF are trying to get Premier League to some sort of uh, dispensation to allow to contact train slightly sooner, which means we can kick off sooner. It's sounding pretty positive for anyone listening and players. And I got a lot of texts from players and even from other clubs and just say, look, Bobby, what's going on? Can you tell me anything? Just kind of hold tight. I know it's really, really difficult. Teams can train at the moment. You know, it's within the, you know, 15 adults per session, 60 minute sessions. We found that really hard, but we've gone out of our way to, to get something on. So local players are trained as a group within the numbers. Coaches are allowed to travel. Uh, although we've not really done that within the sports guidelines, like I live in South Lanarkshire and Gary lives in North Lanarkshire, so he's been able to deal with the North Lanarkshire players. Five, six players we've not seen at all, so they've been reporting in and just doing their own thing. So we just had to make best of what we can. Uh, but I did, you know, as a club and as coaches, we didn't feel it was right to have an opportunity to maybe work with even five or six players at a time and not do that. So you know, we we still been working over this period and. Yeah, we just got to be as ready as we can. I I firmly believe we will finish the season. I'm going to go on record and say that is my belief. I think we'll get it done. I think it will be a bit hectic. It'll be a bit crazy. But to me, it's the most exciting league. It's everyone who comes and watches it. It can be a bit mental sometimes. And you really can't predict things. I think everyone had us as favourites to run away with it. And, you know, we looked and we knew that Partick Thistle recruited well, Glasgow recruited well. I think Aberdeen surprised a few people, maybe not knowing enough about the game. But if, you know, if you did a bit of research, you could see the amount of 17s internationals. You know, even a player like Bailey Hutchison isn't that unknown. If you look at national teams and and spoke to a few people about Aberdeen, it's like, well, there's a player you need to watch out for. Uh, Kelly Forrest at the back, they've got experience and, you know, I suppose I was surprised that teams were surprised by Aberdeen. You know, that's they've been one of our toughest games, and, and you know they are a good side. You know, let's make no bones about it. So, I think for the neutral, if you want to see some craziness week to week, to week which isn't good for us, I would rather there not be craziness. I would rather it be nice and sensible. And you know, we go out, we win two nothing every week, and everyone's calling us. You know, a bit like the old one now the Arsenal, you know, boring, boring Aki's. I would be over the moon with that, but that's not great for you guys. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting back. I know the players are, and hopefully, you know, we've seen teams being able to stream. We've been streaming games, a couple of other teams being able to streaming games, get more and more SWPL2 content out there because it's a brilliant division. There's some really good sides in it. Uh, and we 
we need to get it finished so we can get two teams promoted and create this new 10-team top tier because it's ready for it. And I think the standard of the SWPL2 games, when you look at the top, especially look how tight it is, you know, there's like three points separating about four or five teams at the moment. It's ready for these teams, another two teams, to make that jump into the top division. I think that was something that you wanted to discuss, Robbie, wasn't it? Yeah, I was just going to pipe in on the topic of league reconstruction and ask Robert for all the listeners we don't know to give some more details on what the proposed plans are and also what's your opinion on the fact that there's now three full-time teams in SWPL1? Do you think the gap's only going to get wider between those teams and the rest of the league? Yeah, so the, the plan is with everything that happened and you know, the, effectively everything got null and voided and then we restarted and we thought we had it cracked and, you know, the teams agreed that, look, it wouldn't be fair to relegate teams if all of a sudden we got team games getting called off again or another pandemic you know, or an enforced stoppage, which actually, you know, ended up happening, got put in place again. But teams had shown a, a willingness to increase the size and that wasn't just from Premier League 2 that was Premier League 1 as well saying look actually we want more games 21 isn't enough we need to increase a little bit so the decision was taken by all the clubs speaking together we would have two promoted from SWPL2 and no relegation from SWPL1 and when the championship you know the two winners would come up and play and that would create you know a 10 and a 10 so obviously with the championship it's looking very difficult at the moment because they've not ca- they've not played any games. So, you know, I know they've been meeting regularly and, you know, maybe that's one, you know, maybe get someone on as a guest who's maybe a, a little bit more in, in the know with that one for me. But that's where we are. I think that the gap between, say, the middle of the Premier League one and down, t- you know, probably in the majority of Premier League two, I don't think it's that big. I think certainly the top half of the Premier League 2 have shown over cup games and things in the last couple of years and how close their games have been together and how close our division, you know, actually went really, really late SWPL 2 last year. Like, no one really ran away with it until us and Hearts pulled away in maybe the last three games. So it was close all the way. I think it's ready for that. Rangers, Celtic and, uh, and Glasgow City, ultimately they're willing to put the money in or have the funders who are willing to do it. I'm not worried about a gap in one sense because it's good for the game that there's investors and it brings that visibility. And I think the game needs that. The game's at a point where it now needs visibility. And it's, it is up to the clubs to try and catch up with the, with the ones that are, you know, the trendsetters, so to speak. You know, it's up to the rest of us to, you know, to join the race and get up to them. Where the problem is, is the amount of finance that they can put in over the rest of us. So, you know, but maybe that's looking at when hopefully we get better TV deals, better sponsorship, that distribution of funds, even though it's spread equally, that extra money might be enough for, you know, Spartans have recently announced about going semi-pro. Does that give them enough to maybe put one or two on a full-time contract? And I think that's the next stage that we need to get to. But we need those clubs, in a way, putting that money in to attract that interest. So a little bit of a double-edged sword, but that's just where we are at the moment as a game. And I think going to 10 teams in that division... There's enough of a competition between the teams outside of maybe that little elite three that there's going to be enough competition for relegation and for getting into the top half to still make it interesting and to, you know, not you not that you would ever set up to you know not be worried about losing against one of the big three because at the end of the day it's still points for up for grabs. 
but you know yeah. that it's not going to define your year and there's that little bit extra of a cushion to still be able to go and play in an expansive way and do what you want to do. Uh, I think that yeah. no relegation this year is, is it's been good because we can get to this point, but also teams don't have the fear. I was speaking to a coach at another team involved in that bottom half and I was like, you don't have the fear. So they can go and play and open up and be really expansive. You know, and there's maybe been a couple of bigger scores that, well, if they were fighting relegation, would the teams have set up like that? I'm not so sure. Uh, and you might not have seen these bigger scores. But, you know, that that's really, for, for those coaches, that's just maybe a me viewing it as an outsider. I mean, I certainly wouldn't be. We've played Rangers three times in the last year. Played them in a the cup, played them in two friendlies. And, uh, you know, played fairly defensive. And, you know, we did okay. You know, we didn't take a hammering. Obviously, there's a slight difference between what we were doing in our league games, but you know, I wasn't sending the fullbacks up to the halfway line and building, and you know, didn't think we turned into Brazil 1970 or anything like that. <laughs> so, um, you kind of touched on it a wee bit earlier, but what's your overall impression of what the the clubs in SWPL2 have been been up to during the lockdown? I think I think the travel restriction is ultimately forced to whether clubs can train and can't train. We've been lucky that we've got quite a number of players in South Lanarkshire and then we've got a coach who lives in North Lanarkshire who can deal with the North Lanarkshire players. We've got a couple of players that got a player out in Ayrshire and a couple of players from more kind of Edinburgh area who we've not been able to get in contact with, we've not been able to do sessions for. So luckily enough we've got Football Elite on Twitter, Football Buzz, I'd better give them a wee plug. They sponsored a couple of our players so that he's been, Martin's been able to actually help us out and take the players based over there for a couple of sessions because that's where he lives so he's been brilliant and helped us out a little bit but I think it's been a challenge for some teams and, and I, you know but it's just a situation that we're all facing and it's finding the best way around about it but yeah I'm just I think that regardless of that I just think we just need if we like I say I'm pretty positive we'll get going I think we just need to go for it and whatever it looks like is whatever it looks like and keys to get this finished and make sure we have a champion because ultimately Aberdeen are seven clear and they have a massive amount to lose and regardless of our position it's it's morally that doesn't sit right with me to think that all of a sudden they could get nothing it just doesn't sit right with me no, it definitely wouldn't be fair well well that was a great insight into SWPL2 and we look forward to SWPL2 coming back but now we will look back at the weekend's action and of course we'll start off with the title race Glasgow City recorded an emphatic victory defeating Motherwell 8-0 with another hat-trick from Ode Fulaturu. Doubles from Eva Kovo, then Lauren Davidson with Leansk Crichton scoring the 8th. A result that sees Glasgow City top of the SWPL on goals scored. Robbie, you were at the game. Just how good have City been since the season restarted? Yeah, well, they've just been brilliant. Like, some of the football they played, they went 8-0, but it could have easily been more. And that's a credit to the squad Scott Booth has built at Glasgow City, despite losing some key players like Christy Howitt to Rangers in January. Because they made seven changes for this game against Motherwell, and none of the reinforcements looked out of place at all. And, as you say, Phil Tadili scoring a hat-trick for second week running. She looks like a major star. Leanne Ross missed a late penalty, nearly hit the crossbar from a free kick late on. So they're creating opportunities and I think if it does come down to goals, games like this scoring eight. Last week scoring seven away to Forfer and the week before scoring three away to Celtic. So to play three games back since the restart and not concede while scoring 18 goals, it's just so impressive. And as I say, with the changes made, there was no Asgrim daughter or Van Wyke at the back. 
Glasgow City and they didn't really look troubled at all. I don't know if that's because Motherwell's wrongdoing that Swanson was so isolated. But yeah, I definitely think it could come down to goals, especially with Rangers. They won 1-0 against Hibs, but goals could win this season, absolutely. And I must add Lauren Davidson's name into this analysis because she scored two in the 8-0 route and if Flutadilu hadn't scored her hat-trick, Davidson definitely would have got girl of the match for me. She was just outstanding at, and at the heart of everything good for City throughout the match and her second goal from around 35 yards out was just sublime. But overall, from a Motherwell point of view, these sort of results are not going to define their season too much, I'd say. Well, that's something I was going to ask you, actually, Bobby. Obviously, you are a, a manager and Stuart Hall, is, he's expressed his interest at wanting the Motherwell job, but a result of that's not going to affect him getting the job, is it? No, they're in, they're in a bit of a difficult situation with, they've obviously the manager's left so close to the season kicking off. It's a bit of circling the wagons and just doing what they can and... They've been a little bit unlucky with the goalkeeper breaking their ankle, as Stuart said. They've had to pull in an emergency loan in, in Lauren McGregor. Uh, Jill Ingles was playing centre mid yesterday, so that maybe tells you a little bit where they are. And Jill's normally a kind of fullback. So, yeah, I, I would be very surprised if Stuart's judged on those. But at the same time, you know, it's becoming more and more a cutthroat business. And if he you know, he's a, he's a really good coach and I've known him for a number of years and he'll know that he needs a result somewhere and he's got a massive game coming up uh, on Wednesday night where I think Laurie Gardner coming off at half-time and things, I think he's was already thinking that couple of days down the line. So, Peter, now Glasgow City have their noses in front. Do you think there's anything going to stop them? I think it's going to be tough. Um, I mean, obviously, they've got the experience of churning results out and winning the title year in, year out that perhaps Rangers and Celtic don't have... Uh, don't have as much and again they're, they're a well made up team right from back to front they have a, a solid defence that you know so many different goal threats as they've shown over the past couple of weeks and if the new striker Philo Tadilu can keep keep going with her scoring form at the moment the, the goal difference certainly isn't going to be a problem for them I think that with Glasgow City the the big thing for me is that when you looked at them and you saw Joe Love having to play at centre back I think you fancy that you fancied you would get it's not her best position she's not a bad centre back but she's also not the, the level that they, they need in there and I think Thor, Thor's daughter and, and Van Bight going in they look like proper centre backs that is both of them look a good sign in and I really like the look of the striker uh, Fulu I'm not going to yeah <laughs> so I was going to go with Odie but, uh, but I think uh, I think her I think it was her second the little she took the, the touch she took on her right foot and swivelled and hit first time on her left uh, that was a great finish and just even the other goal she scored back post finishes one touch poachers finishes I think yeah, I think she's looked very, very good. So I've been pretty impressed, considering how all over the place they were when Rangers gave them that thumping at Christmas. Uh, they have recruited well. I've got to got to say, Scott Booth and their, the the team have have done their homework and brought in some good players. No, they're they're, they're looking amazing. But then moving on to obviously Rangers, their title rivals. Uh, Rangers obviously they took on Hibs at Rangers Training Centre, uh, and it took an expertly placed Lizzie Arnott volley to seal the deal. I was at the game, uh, and Hibs put up a good fight. Dean Gibson was quite happy with the job they did, but they just need a little bit of uh, composure up front. Um, but Rangers were excellent. The way they moved the ball round from the fr- you know the middle to front, Lizzie Arnott was amazing. She probably should have scored more, but I was really impressed with young Brogan Hay on the right for Rangers. Her and Lickler Docherty linked up so well. And just when you're talking about attacking. 
the Rangers defence looks amazing uh, I mean Chantel Swaby and Bri- Brianna Westrup new signings but they both look amazing and that's something I was going to ask you Robert there was like five minutes to go in the game right and West, uh, Swaby was up the right wing crossing the ball for Sammy Kerr to score a goal right as a manager you're sitting there Hamilton are one up right five minutes to go and your centre half's crossing the ball into the box what are you thinking? I've been there I've been there yeah uh, Sam actually should have scored uh, that's the one she's rattled the post she really should have you know go across the goalie and it's 2 nothing. but uh, Swabby played in uh, we played them just before Christmas in a friendly at Rangers training centre and she was class she kind of I think they were kind of told us look closed door games don't you know don't let anyone know we've got her in but she, she's looked very very good uh, I, I think Rangers you know obviously this uh, Westrup took a knock yesterday it was I don't know if you've seen the picture doing Twitter the, I, I'm amazed she played on because I looked at it and put it in our group chat and was like oh my god and can I just say that she still won every header with a headband on still won every header didn't he, didn't he phase her at all she was brilliant the sort of, pl- sort of player she is my only thing about Rangers is obviously Demi Vance is out is if they get another injury at centre back you know it's what they're then looking at reshuffling it's maybe Emma Brownlee coming in and they're having to bring someone else to right but, so that that's the only thing for Rangers I think maybe City have got a little bit more cover in that position than, than Rangers do but I would, I would Rangers going forward are a, just a different animal sometimes although obviously haven't scored as many goals yesterday I think I didn't see the game but looking at the highlights and speaking to a couple of people they were pretty on top for the majority of the game and probably should have scored two or three yeah they should have and I know Robbie you're a big fan of Lizzie Arnott but just how impressed have you been with her this season yeah so we spoke to Lizzie on our Anyone's Game Scotland podcast just before the last international fixtures and ever since I've took a, an admiration for Lizzie's way she plays just some of the skill and goals she scores and I think her experience playing in the WSL in England for Manchester United she was of course the first ever goal scorer since they rebranded as Manchester United woman I think Lizzie Arnott can be a key player if she can keep linking up with Rogan Hay and Kirsty Howitt at the top end of the pitch for Rangers and I think they've conceded three goals this season so they can continue that then I still back Glasgow for the title but they'll run them very close and we touched on it a little bit earlier Peter but I mean to lose three goals all season so far Rangers I mean just how good is that defence? It's honestly it's a massive massive factor for them Uh, I think it was summed up uh, last week I was at their game against Spartans and you thought that after the game, uh, Malky Thompson had been most delighted about sc- you know, scoring five against a, a pretty strong Spartans defence up until that point in the season. But uh, again, he was paying tribute to Swaby and Westrup um, at the at the heart of their defence and singled them out for praise after the match, which I think says it all about, about how pleased he is with the performances that he's getting out of his defence at the moment. I know, I was really impressed. I just love the way Westrup just speaks to everyone as well, and she's always shouting, never, never stops. Uh, was, that, was that something you've noticed? Yeah, she's... Yeah, she's another leader on the park for them, and when I've seen them, uh, I think uh, traditionally it's always been someone like Gemmel, who's you know, not had the loudest team in the past, but they've yeah, recruited real experience, and that makes big differences in, in tight games, and that's what sees you through tight games. Peter, you were at the Celtic game. They kept up pace with the leaders with a 5-1 routing of Spartans at Ainsley Park. What were your thoughts in the game? Um, I think that, obviously, Fran Alonso was happy with his, his youngsters' uh, performances in the game. But I, I thought uh, Chloe Craig had a uh, tremendous game, absolutely brilliant game. Dealt with everything that Spartans threw at Celtic and, again, finished the game. Two goals and two assists with you know, a right-footed cross and a left-footed cross into the box, both perfectly finding 
this was Sarah T. Gordon's head. And then when Anna Philby came in at the back post to slot home, I think she had a, had a great game. I think the Celtic midfield was, was tremendous. That's what really won them the game. They absolutely dominated. And Spartans were reduced to a couple of counter-attacks. Uh, also, they scored direct from a corner and didn't create many other chances throughout the game. Uh, I thought Lisa Robertson won everything. You know, at any time that Spartans' clearances were coming out towards halfway, she was getting on the end of them. And T. Gordon and Philby's passing and the range of passing going forward creates so many chances uh, throughout the game it could have been many more to be honest well somebody I was going to ask you about because Gordon was on the show last week and he was raving about the Australian Jacinta was, did she impress again? yeah she did uh, she's got really really quick feet um, you know dancing away from defenders time and again um, kind of the, the end product can, can sometimes be a bit hit or miss uh, she, she maybe she deserved a goal probably there for her uh, build up play but uh, again just a final pass or shot let her down once or twice but again, she's she's an exciting player. You can can beat the the first defender most times. She gets on the ball, uh, and it's such a huge asset for any team uh, going forward. I watched I watched this one in, on the BBC stream, and Jacinta I thought I thought was good. But you, I think Peter, you've hit the nail on the head with, with Lisa Robertson. For me, she's one of the best three midfielders in the country uh, for centre midfield. And I think when Celtic laboured a little bit, bit against Hearts last week, it was Lisa coming on at half time that really. Uh, you know, she just possesses that quality. There was one moment in the first half, she took the ball and, and played like a 45-yard diagonal switch out, out wide to, I think it might have been Jacinta, and they're off again. Uh, and that's just what she brings. Uh, I think, you know, I was looking at the goals, I, I, you know, four goals from crosses. So, you know, they are all about getting in behind and, and hurting teams very, very quickly. They counter quickly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if... They're not quite out, you know, I think it's going to be a big ask for them, but they are dangerous and I don't think teams should write them. I don't think City and, and Rangers should be just looking at them and writing them off. Uh, they they have some talent in their team. Well, that's what I was going to say to you, Robbie, because um, obviously a lot of people were writing Celtic off before this, but surely as a, a result of that against Spartans, they've, they've got to put them back in contention in the title race, surely. Well, first of all, I think I should mention the Anyone's Game Prediction Challenge and this game because I was too nice and predicted a 2-1 Spartans win when I was going head-to-head with Spartans' Robin McCafferty. And, well, I thought Celtic deep down might have won, but 5-1 was an emphatic scoreline and it puts a statement of intent out from Fran Alonso's side that maybe they can still keep track with the leaders because I seen Spartans two or three weeks ago against Hibs and they looked very compact and very didn't look like a team that was going to concede much and Debbie McCulloch told me they hadn't had a hammering yet and I don't know if you class five ones a hammering to Celtic if you do will the season be defined on that they can make ground and still get fourth place for me <laughs> and what about the corner? What are you saying? What are you saying to the goalie after that she lets in the corner, Bobby? Well, I, th- I think two, I think there's actually two things. I think one, Chloe Chloe will be really disappointed. Uh, you know, Alana Alana's got one of the best deliveries in the division, but I don't think she's intentionally shooting. She's putting it in an area to make it as difficult as possible. Uh, but if you actually look back at it, Tea Gardens on the back post, she takes two steps inwards, and I'm just wondering. You know, has you know they get that little bit of a mix up between goalkeeper and defender because if T Garden doesn't move, even if Chloe, when Chloe misses it, she just heads that off the line. So you know that's one of those ones where as a coach you just say, well that's your job, you stand there. You know, so there might be a bit, bit you know, she's I suppose she's made up for it the other side of it, it, with her goal. I think for Spartans maybe a bit concerning. They lost I think three goals from crosses last week, four goals this week from crosses. 
the penalty was needless. It was a pretty rash challenge from I think it was Katie through. Just didn't need to go in. It was, you know, so they just need to steady the ship a little bit, uh, and maybe they've just for the moment maybe just had a little bit, a little bit of their ceiling against maybe that quality of opposition. Uh, I think they they lack a bit of pace up front, which maybe hurts them in transition, and they just can't quite get in behind. Having said all that, I think they should have had a penalty after thirty seconds. Yeah, definitely. It looked it looked very very tight to say the, the least. Yeah, it wasn't on the BBC. It wasn't on the highlight show, but on the stream, I thought uh, I think it was uh, Caitlin Hayes completely just bundled Gilbraith inside the box. I thought, and then Celtic went to the other end and scored. So I know Debbie will be uh, she'd have been fizzing, no doubt. Well, that's just typical, is it? Going off track a wee bit. What do you think of the highlights? I mean, I noticed they didn't show the head knock with uh, Brianna Westrop and Leishman as well. I mean, what, what Robert, you, you've obviously been in the game longer than us. What do you think of BBC's coverage so far? I think that actually the quality of the coverage and the, and the pictures, it, it's brilliant. And if you'd said to us five years ago, you're going to have a Sunday night, fairly prime time slot, half past eight isn't late. You know, if there's younger kids, they can, it's probably just on the edge of being able to sit up and watch it. I think it's brilliant. And they obviously the, the eye player and things, they can now watch it early. So I think that's great. What I would like to see is I, I think the pundits and the co-commentators that have been on know about Glasgow City and they know about Rangers. But I would like to see a little bit more, you know, information about some of the other players and you know they, they're important to the league as well. And you know, an example I would give here, which didn't really, it didn't seem to come across yesterday, was Jill Ingles was Aki's captain for ten years, captain Motherwell yesterday. Now there can't be many players that have captained Aki's and Motherwell. Wasn't really mentioned. And even going into the, the Spartans game, it was Pauline, you know, our, our under-70s marker. I don't really know much about her. Well, do you know? I just think go and find that little bit more out. You know, even where did they come from? I think that's the next step for it. But I think we've got technology. It's growing and it's great to have it. And I'm sure these things will be getting worked out and spoken about in the background. And, and we'll see, you know, small and steady improvements. And we'll have, a, you know, an even better package come this time next year. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, Robert, and I've got something to chirp in on that topic completely. It's great that I think 80,000 people watched the highlights show this Sunday, so it's clearly getting up to people that might have not seen the women's game before in Scotland and might become fans once they can. But the thing that really angered me was, when I was at this Hibs Spartans game a few weeks ago, the only person other than me from media there was someone from the science department of BBC who I got speaking to and they said to me, oh, she was there with not much interest in football, but was there because there was no one else that wanted to do it. And things like that is us. I'll put a cry out for all of us at anyone's game. All of us would love an opportunity to do women's football for any company and commentate or report. So just, I think they just need to think out the box a wee bit more. No, I think that's I think that's great. And there's a couple of other podcasts out there, and, and and it's more than we've ever had before, and it's brilliant that so many people are taking an interest and in putting so much work into it. Even going back to our division, we've got 10 teams, no players are playing, and 10 coaches and 10 assistant managers, none of us are doing anything. We're involved in the game, you know, there's there's loads of players that would happily go out and speak, and, you know, that's maybe something that we can we can see as well, or... You know, obviously with the, the testing regimes Premier League 1 they're in, there's going to be players who aren't maybe selected for a squad per week for some reason. You know, get one of those up. You know, that's what I would like to see and get the actual personalities involved in, in the game still now. You know, it's good to speak to Julie Fleeton. She's a le- see Julie Fleeton, she's a legend, but let's get people who are actually playing in, at the sharp end of the game as well. 
And just so you know, I'll take all inquiries for Mr. Watson, okay? I'm now his agent if we're going to get him in the BBC, right? But uh, we better look, guys, at obviously the last game, well, not the last game of the day, but the last game we've not discussed. Uh, Hearts versus Far for Farmington. Hearts, of course, took the lead early in the game through on-loan striker Monica Forsyth. And they were holding on for what was a massive three points for Hearts when upstepped Far for goalie Lauren Perry to equalise in the dying minutes. Peter, what a week for Lauren Perry, as having Northern Ireland qualified for the Euros, and now she scored from a free kick. She must be loving life at the moment. Hi, it's absolutely brilliant. It's, it's the sort of thing she, she's going to remember that for the rest of her career. You know, get, have plenty of banter with the teammates about it in future. I mean, this week in training is got, must be absolutely brilliant. I'd, I'd love to have a, a, an, an ear in at the, the four for training sessions to hear what, what's been said. Oh, definitely. And Bobby, have you ever been involved in a game where the keeper scored? I've scored. I played goals. I scored once at like under 16 football right now, so I'm not sure it really counts. Just a big smash back up the field. No, it's brilliant. I love it when the goalie scores. Uh, I think uh, Charlotte Parker-Smith won't want to see it again. I think she's get caught under the flight and she's tried to push it when I think she could have caught it. She's just just one of those ones and it happens. She's just misjudged it. And that nervousness of them hanging on, you know, it's a, you know they're going for the first win, hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. And obviously Falford have just shoved everyone into the box. I'm not... But, you know, it's just the scenes that the jump and the photograph that's been doing the rounds here where Harmony is just great. And that's, that's good, you know, stuff like that you want to see. And what a brilliant memory. Well, she's young. She's only, I think she's only about 16 or 17. She's, she's been good for them this season. And yeah, great scenes for uh, for Forefront for uh, Lauren Perry. And Robbie, you've got to feel for hearts. They thought they'd uh, thought they got the three points and then bang. It's just not, nothing's going to go right for them at the moment, is it? <laughs> Yeah, it's not for Hearts because they played really well in the first half against Celtic last week as well. And I think they've been so looking forward to actually getting three points to concede so late on. You can imagine the players would be hurting, but it's not a terrible point at all, I feel. And on the topic of Lauren Perry, yeah, she admitted to Gordon McComb of anyone's game after the game that she didn't mean to shoot. But the goal went in and they should just be happy with the joyous scenes of what they've seen a last-minute equaliser. These trolls online, as BBC's Iona Ballantyne pointed out, there's no place for them, and people are human. People are going to read this stuff, so I just don't see the need to, for when the women's game is making so much positive ground for people to try put that back down. Well, your player, Robert Dion Brown, she was quite vocal on Twitter about the abuse. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. So, Dion's, uh, we, we have a laugh with Dion because, Dion, well, no, her message is brilliant, but uh, we, we've got a sort of inside joke that if players are doing post-match interviews, we don't send Dion because they end up having to cut it together because she just, she just rambles sometimes. But no, she was, she was absolutely bang on and... Obviously, Dion's pregnant at the moment and and won't be won't be rejoining us for the kind of remainder of the season, but still a huge part of the club. And she brings that sort of you know she's a good you know she, she sees things and kind of she's quite salt of the earth and calls it as it is and is is fiercely pro feminist to the point it's like well no we deserve the same opportunity and she's totally right. And let's all be honest, we've we've all seen goals where. A goalkeeper at any level, men or women, has made a bit of a meal of it. You know, it happens, that's part of the game, but it's, I, I would rather focus on the scenes afterwards and, you know, a 91st minute equaliser by the goalkeeper. That That's the story. Aye, you've got to feel for a goalie, aye. I mean, because that, that neighbour they can go, is it? <laughs> oh, it's, hot. it's horrendous when it happens to you. <laughs> Sorry to pipe in here, folks, in this discussion, but on this topic, right as we're recording, the 
Scottish Women's Football Association have released a statement along with the SWPL on the matter. The statement mentions the significant increase in the coverage of the women's game and they welcome the development along with all those who make it possible. However, they've noticed the increase in abusive language, just as we're speaking about the Lauren Perry incident, used on social media towards clubs, teams, players, officials and many others involved in it and they will not tolerate this any longer and they're going to have dialogue with their members and stakeholders how they're going to tackle these issues going forward and they have a statement at the bottom saying be accountable, see it, report it, stop it. Yeah, I mean, that that's great to see that and, you know, the players do tend to look after each other online and things. I think... Uh... You know, we had an incident where a player of ours was abused and it wasn't just our players were jumping in, it was players from other clubs and saying, hang on a minute, that's not acceptable. And I've seen a lot of that today. And But like I say, it's just, you know, we don't we don't want to see it. I think sadly, as you know, I think we saw with the Scotland World Cup and obviously the Argentina game, the bigger profile, the bigger reaction you're going to get. And that's going to be both positive and negative. And we just sometimes need to take that step back and make sure we support our players, make sure we support our clubs and say, look, just don't worry about it. Focus on the positive things because I think the, the positives far outweigh the, the occasional negative of, you know, the classic, you know, abuse coming from a Twitter channel that has some random footballer as their, as their picture and some random name. You know, that just says it all. They don't have the, you know, they're not willing to stand up in, in their convictions and, and, and say who it is, you know. But that that's unfortunately just life on social media. Well said, Robert, but it is time now, gentlemen, for the much-coveted Anyone's Game weekly podcast quiz, where one of our pundits will take on, it'll be a coach this week instead of a player, so it's the coach versus the pundits. Who would you like to come up against, Robert? Who do you think's the brain? Who do you think's the smartest? Who are you worried about? Who are you not? I'm, I'm just worried. <laughs> what did Swanee get one last week? <laughs> Perfect. Well, not to worry. <laughs> no, she won. She won the game. She won two one. So, aye. So you're playing here. The pundits are down. The pundits are looking for the first victory of the season. Oh, she won. All oh, right. Okay. Right. So I've got the pressure of making sure the players and coaches stay up. Aye. Right. Okay. And this is the magic coin. Just so you know, it's not a double sided coin. Robbie, you are heads. Peter, you are tails. Tails, it is Peter. Are you buzzing? Oh dear. He was me thinking I might get away with it. All right. <laughs> Two, two weeks in a row, you've dodged it, Robbie. Robbie. Robbie's looking mighty relieved, I've got to say. Right, I will ask Robert the first question, and then Peter, the first two questions each are multiple choice, and the last question, you've just got to come up with the answer. So, are we both ready? Robert, which Motherwell player gets smacked in the face in the lead-up to Glasgow City's opening goal? Is it A, Lauren Gallen, B, Abby Skelton, or C, Claire Adams? I'm sure that is. Uh, she'll kill me for saying this. I don't know if you know what Claire Adams' nickname is, but it is Egg. I'm fairly certain it was Claire Adams. Uh, you are correct in that one. I just need to uh, get a note of the scores, boys, because this isn't going to help if I don't have the scores. <laughs> so, right, Peter, at the start of the highlight show, Julie Fleeton can be seen wearing white trainers. What make are they? A, Nike Air Max, B, Converse, or C, Adidas Hamburgs? Oh, wow. That is an absolute nightmare question. Oh, I will admit, this is a complete and utter guess. Uh, I'll go with Air Max. You have been absolutely done in with that, by the way. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, it was B Converse. <laughs> so, 1-0 to the coach. Right, uh, Robert, who scored Hart's only goal of the game against Forfa Farmington? A, Georgia Hunter, B, Monica Forsyth, or C, Jennifer Smith? Uh, it was Monica Forsyth, which I think on the, on the commentary, I think someone tried to say she got a bit lucky and it was... 
or that it was the goalie's fault. And I'm like, no, that's an unbelievable chip. What a finish it was. You're right. That's two out of two for you now, Robert. See, I, I wouldn't have minded that question. Right, well, you might get this one, right? So, who was fouled for the free kick that led to Lauren Perry's wonder strike? A, Cassie Cowper, B, Leah White, or C, Donna Patterson? Try to think back. Is it Leah White? I'm afraid it's Cassie Cowper. So, that is two to Robert and zero to Peter. Uh, and you're going to get this one, Robert, because this one's easy. Uh, which Rangers centre-half ended the first half on Sunday in a headband after a clash with Hibs' Shannon Leishman? It's Brianna Westrup. Yeah, so that is three. Right, come on, get one for the pundits here, Peter. Which Celtic youngster who was not long on the park crossed the ball for captain Chloe Craig to head home Celtic's four for the game? That was Rebecca McAllister. Yeah, well done. As we say, I covered that game. It'd be awful if I got it wrong. But at the end of the day, guys, the scores of the doors is Robert three and Peter one. So that is another victory for the guests. What's happening with the pundits? Well played, overuse. The pundits will have to do a bit better next week. That's two weeks I've sat on the sidelines. So maybe it'll be me next week to buck that trend. Thank you very much. A right, round of applause for Robert. Well done, Robert. Uh, so what we'll do now, guys, obviously, we've big midweek action coming this week. Uh, we've got a massive game at the top of the league with Rangers playing Celtic. And, of course, the game is being played at Parkhead under the lights. Robert, just how good an experience will that be for the players? It'll be brilliant. Uh, to go and play at a, a venue like that is... Uh, yeah, it's just incredible. I'm lucky enough. I played at Celtic Park before years and years and years ago. And it, it is, you know, even not being a Celtic fan, it's a pretty pretty special place to go and play football in I, I don't think there'll be a runaway winner obviously Celtic beat them earlier in the season it'll be interesting to see how Celtic deal with the size of the pitch I think it's probably a bit larger than K Park and you know what they're used to playing which might play into Rangers hands so I'm going to go with a Rangers but it's going to be a tight 2-1 Right and Robbie what's your thoughts on the match who's going to win? First of all I must say lucky you for getting to go on Wednesday night to represent anyone's game at Parkhead under the lights. I think that'll be an amazing experience. As Robert said, Celtic beat Rangers earlier in the season and there's not many draws in the league between these teams usually, but I think it might be a one all draw. That's what I'm going for. Peter, what are you going for? Yeah, I, th- I think a, a draw seems like a, a realistic result. I think that Rangers have the defensive quality that if they decide that they're happy with, with keeping Celtic to a draw, then there's no way that, that, that Celtic are, are going to manage to uh, to get past them. I think it's, it's a must-win for Celtic, though, realistically, um, if they're to have any chance of keeping pace with the, the two leaders. I think, yeah, Celtic really need Celtic need to win and then need really need Glasgow City to do them a favour against Rangers in this kind of next round of fixtures, so... I just don't see, that's not to say I don't think Celtic can't go on a run, but I just don't see City and Rangers dropping eight points for them to catch. Well, looking at that as well, Glasgow City, of course, go to Hibs, and of course, Glasgow City are in red-hot form. Um, Hibs will take some solace from the way they played against Rangers, but Robbie, can you see anything else than a Glasgow City victory on Wednesday? No, I haven't watched Glasgow City the past two weeks against Foyfer and Motherwell. They're just too strong for anyone. And on the forum there, then, I can see them having a similar scoreline in this match. Like, I forgot to mention in my analysis earlier, but Pencilla Chinchilla, who was upstanding against Foy for the week before, she didn't even start. She came off the bench against Motherwell. She looked promising. Neve Fowley wasn't even in the squad. Same as Hayley Lauder. So, yeah, they're just really strong in all areas of the pitch. And yeah, looking at Hibs, there's been some great ties between Glasgow City and Hibs over the years, but it's not the same Hibs side as they used to be, is it? 
So I think it'll be an emphatic Glasgow City victory with a clean sheet again. I'll go 4-0. And Bobby, as a coach, right, how would just you kind of touched on this earlier when you said mentioned about playing Rangers, but how would you prepare your team to play Glasgow City? Yeah, I think Hibs, obviously, with the players they've lost over the last few years, it's really difficult for them to continue to replace that. So they are it's not likely they're going to have a lot of the ball, probably similar to against Rangers. So, I, you know, these games coming back to back probably isn't the worst thing for them in that sense. They probably prepare pretty similarly to both games. We're not going to have a lot of the ball. It's going to be a bit more of a counter-attack game. Uh, I think they've Amy Gallagher going off injured in the warm-up was a blow. She's a good player for them. They're really struggling with the bench. You look there, they've had to recall like Eve Donald up from low, and I think Sophie Allison's gone back from low, and so they are struggling in terms of numbers. And I think that will tell on Wednesday. With City being able to rotate, uh, I I think City will be fairly comfortable and it'll be 3 nothing. And Peter, what's your thoughts on the game on Wednesday? Glasgow City and Hibs? Again, I, I, I think the boys have covered covered most of it. I think that Hibs, will, that they'll work hard. But again, the Glasgow City, the, the quality they have right throughout the team, I can see them wearing them down. I'll I'll go for Hibs nicking a goal, so I'll take I'll take four one. Four one, yeah. Well, obviously talking about Hibs, obviously if they get a bad result, it leaves the door wide open for fifth versus six. Obviously four for Farmington and host Spartans, and that has got to be a massive game in the battle for fourth, is it no, Robbie? Yeah, one hundred percent, Kenny. It's really crucial for either four or Spartans. If Hibs lose heavily to Glasgow City, one of them can leap up the table and. In the fight for fourth, because Kevin McGreskin, Debbie McCulloch and Dean Gibson have all said along the lines of they want fourth this season. So, yeah, wonder what team can do it. Because when I see Spartans, as I mentioned frequently, when I see them a few weeks ago, the likes of Alana Marshall as one who really stood out. And they've got a lot of good players and they want them to go semi-professional. So I'd fancy them to win that match. So I'll go 2-1 Spartans. Robert, what are you going for? Uh, I think that uh, really intriguing one. This I think uh, Forfar have been I think surprised a few people. Uh, I think they were they were pretty good in the first half of the season, and obviously Spartans have had a couple of poor results in the last couple of weeks. But I think that this kind of game suits Be- Becky Gilbraith up front. I think a bit more of a physical battle. They'll have more of the ball. It won't be her looking to run in behind, which isn't really her strength. I think set-piece delivery is going to be big on this one. And I think with Alana Marshall, I think Spartans edge that quality of delivery into the box. So I'm going to go for a Spartans to edge uh, uh, 1-0 on Wednesday night. And Peter, last but not least. Well, I'll, I'll be the be the odd one out then. I'll, I'll go for for Forfer with the, um, kind of the, the buzz that will be going about the place this, uh, at the moment, carrying them through to, to a good performance next week. As the boys have said, it's going to be a, a really close game, I imagine, uh, without much in it. I, I could have gone either way, but I'll, I'll go 4 for 2 one Perry to score, Peter. That, that would be quite something. <laughs> Get a tenner on it. Um, and obviously, gamble responsibly, though. Um, obviously, there's a massive game at the bottom of the table. Motherwell versus Hearts. Hearts, of course, a point ahead of the Lanarkshire rivals. Uh, just how big a game is this for Motherwell, Bobby? Uh, absolutely. It's massive for both teams. Like you say, no team's going to want to finish bottom. Uh, I think Hearts have definitely improved since the return. I think we could see that. They have a don't think they were great in the first half against Rangers, but definitely a big improvement in the second half against Rangers. And they were maybe a little bit over-eager in what they could maybe achieve. I think they were a bit open. It suited them being a little bit more tight-knit. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Laurie Gardner is going to be a big player for Motherwell uh, on, on, on Wednesday night, and her running in behind can cause teams a lot of problems. Uh, 
I do think that this has got draw all over it. Neither team... Uh, I think both teams have maybe got a goal in them, but I'm not convinced either team are going to keep a clean sheet either. You know, it could surprise us and be the four each thriller that none of us are expecting. Uh, so I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go serve up proper old-fashioned football, goals galore. Uh, but I, I, I think a draw uh, on Wednesday night between Motherwell and Hearts. 4-4, why not? So we're going for a 4-4? I hope so. <laughs> uh, and Peter, what's your thoughts on the, 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 the Motherwell Hearts? Been impressed with how Hearts have competed, the, you know, for for periods of the game, the last couple of weeks. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if against uh, against Motherwell they'll be able to kind of keep it up for the full the full ninety minutes. Uh, if they do that, I can see them winning it. Um, I, I think obviously Motherwell it was a, a really tough game for them against Glasgow City, um, failing to to make massive amounts of impact on the game. So I'll, I'll go Hearts with a I'll, I'll be boring. I'll go with a Hearts one 0 I think you kind of make, you make a good point there, Peter. Is a, a, a lot's going to be how much the Glasgow City game's taken out in the Motherwell players, uh, you know, and the game coming so quickly. And I think Hearts will have that. They may have that little bit of something about them. Well, we lost the last minute goal. Work that's not going to happen to us again. You know, that's to be so close to your first win. Uh, yeah, so I think that's going to be a quite a big factor on Wednesday. Totally agree with what everyone's saying on this game. It's going to be a close one. Other than Motherwell's 8-0 defeat at the game I was at against Glasgow City, where three or four of the goals, possibly more, were from set pieces and really poorly defended set pieces. I was sitting in the stand at Broadwood just with my head in my hands at some of the clearances that was going on. The previous two games were 3-2 defeats, so they haven't been doing too badly. They're just needing that result. Laurie Gardner, who came off at half-time, probably looked the most threatening when they did have a rare attack. Like, she looked like she did have the ability to get in behind the defence. I'm going to go... Obviously, Hearts have improved their form, but they're still near the bottom as well. I think it'll be a one-all draw in that game. Well, that's what I was thinking, Robbie. Surely there's a wee bit of momentum for Hearts, so they've got a good chance of kind of keeping it going against a team in a similar position to themselves. I think Laurie, I, th- I like her as a nine. She tends to play out wide for Motherwell, but when she she can get in behind and she's got pace. And if she can find uh, Lisa Swanson, Swanee can finish. She might not get around the pitch as quickly as she used to anymore, but she can still finish in the 18-yard box. And I think that... It might just it might be a bit of a waiting game for Motherwell and just hitting on the break and using that. But they need to sort out the like you say, Robbie. I think from the five corn for the five set piece goals they lost. I think five were from corners, and it was all you know one was first phase and the others are like second third phase after the balls bobbled about and they've not reacted to the next you know the next part. And I'm sure Stuart will be working on that. He mentioned it at full time. He was unhappy about it, so um, I would think that that might be a bit of a focus for their training going into the game. Well, guys, that's us coming to the end of the show. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, don't forget, later in the week, we will run a special show. Where we'll be joined by Spartans in Scotland under-19 centre-half Robin McCafferty. And we will, of course, look back at Wednesday night's action. But thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we'll speak to you all soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on and keep up the good work. 